G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 13 Preview Edition, the Queen's Birthday Weekend Edition. Uh, we're still in the middle of the bye round, so six games this week. Uh, big Queen's Birthday Monday game, uh, the Big Freeze, the annual uh, fundraiser for motor neurone disease between Melbourne and Collingwood. And that's going to be an absolute cracker this year. So we will get to that. Uh, as always, we are brought to you by our wonderful podcasting partner, Palmerbet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Of course, please do remember to gamble responsibly when you do so. As I say, very big hello to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you going, Shorey? Mr. Owen Connolly, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very yeah. good, thank you too. Yeah. What's been happening? Oh, I've, been, uh, I've been out and about. Uh, oh, good. Done a little bit of travel the last couple of days, as you have recently, and that's been good fun. Um, yeah, I went down to, um, had a good breakdown at Tassie for my mum's birthday and spoke at one of the one of the great Tasmanian football clubs. Um, it's not in the... Um, the premier competition anymore, but the Hobart Football Club um, brought you um, Alistair Lynch, uh, Matthew Armstrong, Scott Clayton. It um, brought you Paul Sproul to Essendon. Um, yeah, so um, it was a great football club made famous by, and not many of our listeners will, but Tasmanians will. There was a famous ruck combination. It's probably the greatest ruck combination in uh, Tasmanian history, the three P's, Powell, Pasco, and Payne. Bernie Payne played for St Kilda, but he's a Hobart boy. Mal Pasco played 90 games for Essendon and went coaching there and won four premierships. And Dennis Powell is your quintessential Tasmanian ruckman. They formed a formidable partnership. They're famous and they led the ruck division in four premierships for that wow. club. There you go. There's a nice bit of uh, Tasmanian football history for everyone. Uh, so old, but it even predates me. Um, well, I have to try and be a little bit because um, 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 uh, Channel 7's uh, head of sport, I'll lose that, use that term rather rather loosely, uh, Tom Brown, he, he seems to have wiped us off. He seems to be speaking to people that uh, don't give us much of a chance, Rowan. So... Um, I'll have to follow that closely because it is breaking and it is exclusive. Well, not as big as Ned Reeves' shoulder, of course, but uh, uh, okay. Oh well, right. <laughs> you learned something. We've um, started off a bit cynical, all over the place, mate. Bring us back on track, will you? Come on. I don't, I don't know if I can. I, I have been away myself, and I'm not going to give too much away. But I, I have been uh, north of Victoria the last couple of days, and let me tell you, it's a fair bit warmer than it is here because now I'm back. And I'm freezing my you-know-what off. Can I just say quickly, too, the best indicator of how different footy is these days, Rob, is I was thinking before, we've got six games this week. Well, yes. 
once upon a time, and in fact, for most of uh, footy, footy history, you uh, were able to see six games started and finished between the hours of 2.10pm and 5pm on a Saturday afternoon. We're now having six games take up the duration uh, between Thursday evening and Monday evening. So six games of AFL football are going to be a span five days. So um, i tell you what, I hope they're good because I'm going to struggle to get through it. Well, it looks like um, we start off with a good one. Uh, Intriguing game, Essendon-Carlton. Frio Hawks have got its interest, no doubt about that, uh, with five coming back. Uh, The Lions and Saints, second versus fifth is a cracker. We'll just put North and Giants on ice for the moment, right? And the Pies in Melbourne. So we're going five out of six for uh, not blockbuster status, Rowan, but uh, all of them are, I'm going to watch that. Well, I, I admire your enthusiasm. Uh, which one course, don't you? Which, what, what? No, I'm going to watch them all. I watch them all every week. No, I know. doesn't I, mean I'm going to enjoy them all. Yeah, um, but, we, but I do watch them in, um, what do you say, uh, summary sometimes. Okay, shush. You know. You're not supposed to admit that. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Um, all right, uh, we've got, uh, well, six games to preview, but a uh, bit of news first. On Footyology, news feed. Well, the uh, main news story, uh, I think you know what we're going to be talking about here, is the club-imposed suspension of Melbourne Premiership fullback Stephen May for getting in a physical altercation with teammate Jake Melksham at a Paran restaurant on Sunday evening. Uh, there was a bit of a spat. Uh, Stephen May had a bit too much to drink, and that was the issue for which he was suspended, basically, because he was still in the concussion protocols and thus shouldn't have been drinking. Uh, but uh, so we are led to believe was getting uh, full of lip and was mouthing off about uh, teammate uh, Joel Smith and his capacity to get the job done in the grand final. Jake Melksham uh, took umbrage on Smith's behalf and uh, threw one at Stephen May, and the pair then got in a blue, which apparently damaged a restaurant table. The restaurant was pretty miffed. Uh, Media got wind of it. And uh, Melbourne severely embarrassed the upshot. Stephen May suspended for a week by the club at a pretty unfortunate time, given they've lost two in a row and they're up against Collingwood in the big Queen's birthday Monday game. Jake Melksham wasn't suspended by the club, but will also miss one game. He's um, developed an infection in the hand with which he belted Stephen May. So uh, hasn't... uh, no one involved in this fracas has emerged uh, glowingly, it's fair to say. Um, I've got a bit to say about how we treat these sort of um, incidents, Rob, but what's what's your take on this? Um, <clears throat> it is quite serious. Um, uh, alcohol is in and the brain is out, the old saying. Um, I don't know how late it was, but uh, there's another saying... Not much. Hap- uh, nothing good happens after twelve o'clock. So I don't know where they were. Um, I know where they were. Um, yeah, it's an ugly incident. Uh, damage was done. Uh, teammates fighting. I- I've got an old philosophy. I'm going to put to you. Um, 
but it's more linked to the Fredericks one at um, at uh, Fremantle. Okay, well, tell us what's happened there. Um, break he the was news. on a six-day break and was drinking alcohol, and the club rule is don't drink alcohol on your six-day break, and he has copped a week's suspension. So he's copped the same suspension as Stephen May, who, by all allegations and what we've read, uh, was baiting teammates, had too much to drink, uh, had a big mouth on him, said some very unnecessary things to teammates, and uh, Jake, as you said, Jake Melkstrom took umbrage to that and uh, decided to sort it out then and there. Um, I remember when I was a, a young coach and um, I, I thought it was the thing to do, suspend players. You know, I, I suspended the great Doc Wilden, you know, um, for for the same sort of things, not attending training, um, having a drink at the wrong time, that sort of stuff. And... Um, Alan Jeans grabbed me one day and he said, Laddie, right, never penalise the team, penalise the individual. Now, I'm going to go with that just for the sake of our discussion that the Fredericks incident has penalised the team. Penalise the individual. Don't penalise the Fremantle Football Club's chances of finishing the top four. Justin Lomier will say, well, if we don't have high standards, well, you can still have high standards, <clears throat> fine him community work, uh, heavy financial penalty, but th that that affects the team. And um, I I'm just relaying a story that Alan Jeans told me as an experienced coach talking to you, what did you suspend that boy for? And I said, well, he did the wrong thing. He said, you realise you just penalised your football team and his teammates. Play him and find other means and methods to... Um, to discipline them. So I'm going to stick with that for the sake of the discussion. Okay, well, the obvious question out of that is, so by that logic, you wouldn't suspend Stephen May then? I was talking about the Fredericks one there. Yeah, I know, yeah. but penalising, uh, suspending well, Stephen May. Well, he's out by concussion anyway, isn't no, he? No, but he's back this week. He's supposed yeah. to be back this week. No, I would have found other under under that logic, right? Yeah. I would, I would not have penalised the football team. Yeah. Well, Mick, no. Mick Malthouse sort of to an extent had the same philosophy because I remember there was one where, uh, who was it? I think it was Ben Johnson and Chris Tarrant. Yes. Uh, so, were, yeah. And and he refused to suspend them. And he basically admitted that if they hadn't been such key players, he probably would have been. Yeah, mine's got nothing to do with the key player. Yeah. Mine's, yeah. Okay, so you, I, wouldn't I, I be, think... you wouldn't be suspending Stephen May is what you're saying. Well, can I can I compliment what I'm saying was it's a serious issue. It's far more serious. No, sorry. I'll start again, folks. Fredericks and May got the same suspension. Not right. No good. There's no... You with me? Fredericks had a drink. Okay. All right. Can I can I say something yeah, you perhaps say controversial now. here? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll say what I'm going to say. I don't think it is that big a deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know why I think... Okay. When I say it's not that big a deal... I'm not condoning two footballers getting pissed and bloody having a, a, a blue in a bloody restaurant, okay? But what I'm saying is I reckon a lot of that stuff probably happens and we don't find out about it, you know? Like, blokes get on the booze and get lippy and get physical with each other. And I'm not saying that for a moment that's good, but I'm saying I, I don't think... When I get annoyed is now that Melbourne have lost two in a row, this has happened... It becomes so easy 
for people to try and create this narrative. Oh, Melbourne's on the skids, the wheels are falling off. No, and, that's incorrect. And and you're right. It, okay, it's rubbish. Well, okay. Yeah. And 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 this exactly this thing happened two years ago with Richmond. Remember, Richmond weren't playing that well. They were struggling with the hub. And then Sydney Stack and Callum Coleman Jones went out. Remember Kebab Gate, Rob? Yes, Kebab Gate. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brown, our oh. man Tom Brown was so across the detail that he was able to tell us what actually was in the contents of that kebab. And, and then how one, many they ordered. I think he, yeah, he went and, with, they ordered two. Yeah, and one of them was damaged. One of them was damaged in the fracker. But all, all jokes aside, <laughs> well, it, it then it's became, not a joke. No. It, that, but that became part of the narrative about Richmond. Oh, Richmond's full of hubris. You know, now their guys are getting out. This thing, this stuff happens all the time. You've got you've got AFL lists of forty players. You're not telling me that they they all behave themselves all the time. How many of them get up to crap that just doesn't get caught out? It either doesn't get caught out by anyone at the club, or does get caught out by someone at the club, but not by the media. So we just never hear about it. This one did, and it just so happens it's come out when Melbourne have lost two games. So I reckon it's had probably more airtime than it would have if Melbourne was still on their 17-game unbeaten streak. And it's just so convenient for so many people in the media to go, okay, well, they've lost two. Now these guys are going, oh, it's coming apart at the seams. You know the other observation I make, Rob, and this gets back to my, uh, let's call it, disillusionment with uh, mainstream media now. But the amount that has been written and spoken in the last two days about this blue between Stephen May and Jake Melksham, and, yeah, we're talking about it now, but I've read, I've got home from interstate today and I've just, I've caught up on some reading. War and peace has been written on this blue already. Hey, how would it be if some of these journos devoted that much time and energy to writing about what happens in games, why teams win, how they, and why teams are playing badly, the actual point of the exercise, which is winning and losing, teams winning and losing and players being good and coaches, what about if people devoted as much energy to researching those things as a bloody blue between two players? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I'm not sure of the rules with the AFLPA. Remember, Rowan, there was a time where you could only, you had to go cap in hand to the AFLPA and could only, you had to uh, request to find the player. And I think it was $5,000. Like th th that would be a 30000 community service, pay for the damage and um, work there in the dishes for a month, twice a week, and and keep playing. That that's the penalty. There was no police didn't even bat an eyelid, and uh, there's no criminal charges. Um, that's the sort of thing that doesn't penalise. That penalises the individual for being a numbskull, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Look, I'm just going to follow up the question I, I raised there because I can see some people saying, where, where, where are you going with this? Well, here's where I'm going, right? To report on a dust-up between two players, this is journalism 101, right? Something happened. You know, so you find out who, what, when, where, why. Yeah. That involves talking to people, saying, well, what do you know about this? You know, right? That is classic journalism. To actually write the sort of football journalism we're interested in, and I think a lot of the football public are interested in, requires more than just asking people what they think about things or what happened here or there. It requires actually getting in yourself 
and doing a bit of viewing of games and reading of stats and trying to work out yourself and developing, if you like, a specialist knowledge of your subject. And this is a problem with journalism across the board. Forget just football. There's too many people who aren't required to invest the time and energy to really be, come to grips with the thing that they're talking about. So, and, so what you're saying is this is really easy. Robert Shaw could do this. I could, I could ring up a mate who was in the restaurant and find out and write about it. But if you want me to try and tell you why Port Adelaide will ring rich, that requires a bit of work, Rowan, and yeah. some and some analysis and going to some stats. It actually takes hours and hours to to articulate that sort of thing. And that's and, not, yeah. not easy. And and to have an interest in it to begin with. Uh, well, let me qualify that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy because good reporting isn't easy. And, you know, like what I'll, I'll, I'll name, Caroline Wilson is an excellent journalist because of her capacity to find news from various sources and put in the legwork and get on the phone. And, and that makes her an excellent journalist. And I've, I've never said otherwise. But it's not what I prioritise when I'm reading about football. I'd rather read this much about why Melbourne is now such a fantastic team when they were crap a year ago. And we don't get enough of that. We don't get enough of that because, in my mind, there's not enough people in the football media who really have a passionate interest in the game now. So, anyway, look, it's a, a, I, I digress a little bit here. But um, I would also, back to the other point I was making, I think things like this happen more often than we're led to believe. It's just when they come out and they're public and it happens to coincide with a top team suddenly having a bit of a glitch in form, it has a sexiness about it, doesn't it? Whoa, there's controversy and there's a punch-up and teammates are fighting each other. And, you know, to the people writing this stuff, that's a lot more appeal than talking about, well, you know... Oh, how did, no how, doubt. You see it on the news. Did, how did Melbourne start converting a greater percentage of their inside 50 entries to the scoreboard. That's what I want to hear about. A bloke makes a living out of this sort of stuff with no technical knowledge of the game whatsoever. Well, no well, understanding of, of yeah. 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 Anyway. Well, okay. So Stephen May uh, out for a week. Jake Melksham not suspended, but he will miss a week. And, of course, one you referred to, Michael Fredericks, uh, Michael Fredericks, sorry, at Fremantle also suspended for a week, which is a bad timing for him too because his last two oh, games have been wow. outstanding, haven't they? You know, oh, got... Can he go? Yeah, that's that's really unfortunate timing. And, Do you agree uh, with the philosophy, Rowan? Not so much the, inter- the philosophy. Have they penalised the 21 players that he played with last week? Yeah, they have. They have. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm... yeah look, I mean... I can see both sides of that argument. It's, it's really interesting, though, you raising the Alan Jeans example because Alan Jeans was the ultimate team-first coach, wasn't he? And if, mm. he's, if yeah. he's saying that, mm. um, I think it carries a fair bit of weight. Um, good segue yeah. here. Speaking about legendary coaches, and, uh, yep, uh, a warning, warning, we're talking about Essendon again. But uh, the name Kevin Sheedy bobbed up. A couple of days ago, Rob, because uh, she's decided now was the time to talk about the supplement scandal and uh, his belief that the AFL owed Essen an apology um, over, uh, well, what he said was was never proved. Um, James Hurd in particular wrote an apology uh, by the AFL. 
He also made some comments about the upcoming game against Carlton being a war. And that uh, pointedly, he said some people at the club, Essendon, meaning Essendon, didn't understand this, that every week you go, you have a form of war with your mm. opponent. Now, um, what do you think of those comments? Mainly the timing I, I was, of them. Um, as a, as a, an Essendon Life member looking forward to this week, right, and not only the opposition, but the significance of 150 years and and uh, our, you know, we've been accused at times, or once or twice of being grumpy old men about it. But, you know, um, this sort of stuff means something to us. And that's why we get frustrated that this isn't about the last year or the last 10 years. It's a 150-year-old club. And I, I think Kevin hijacked it. And I am stunned I'm not upset. Am I surprised? Yes, I am. He's a board member. It came out of the blue in the biggest week of Essendon's uh, historical acknowledgement. This is the week for an Essendon celebration. It is the week that he could have came out and talked about um, his passion and love for Essendon as a kid growing up. He should have acknowledged, isn't it great to see our oldest premiership player, Huey Mitchell, tossed the coin. What a great opportunity. And even give, like this war stuff, just, oh, look, really. He could have even given praise to the Carlton Football Club that they have been right back to, I think, 1947. Um, we had the um, the Harry Casper Coleman. It's a significant um, opponent, the 62 premiership. Uh, 93, 99, McKenzie versus Nichols. It just goes on and on. And it's a very disappointing um, that it took up pages to, um, uh, what's the word, Rowan, to um, take the focus away from a wonderful week where both uh, Essendon will be celebrating but Carlton have a huge role to play. Let's talk about the game and the people and, and not... Uh, well, you I, know, I, is that it? Is that it from me? Yeah. Yeah, well... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed because there's a, there's a big story out this week and it's our club. 150 okay. years of a great club and um, it's been hijacked. Well, oh, here's, well here's what I reckon's happened. Uh, I reckon... I reckon this is quite deliberate. I, I reckon. I, I, well, I just reckon Essendon is really struggling to make the 150th thing mean anything. They've certainly struggled with that dinner, which our flogging tickets do for 495. And now this week have been desperately ringing members saying, oh, you can have them for 395 because the take up's been poor. They're not getting much publicity about this big 150th game against Carlton. So what do you do? You do what worked 20 years ago. You send out Kevin oh. Sheedy to go and talk about God. this, the modern equivalent of Martians or marshmallows, or, except, you know what? The world moves on, boys. This is something Essendon really needs to learn. It's 2022. It's not 1993 anymore. So sending Sheeds out to make some sort of inappropriate analogies about war and bring up the saga it, it just smacks of, and I'm not the only person who's suggesting this, 
it smacks of a real cynical, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to stir the fan base up to get them to come to this game. I reckon maybe it will stir a few people up, but I reckon just as many people looking at it going, well, why would you do that now? Why, and, and, okay, if Sheets has done this off his own bat, I'm not saying he hasn't, but if he has, then the club doesn't have much authority over one of its own board members, does it? If no. the club's telling him to go and do this, this, it's even more cynical. But you know what? I'd be far more interested in hearing Kevin Sheedy come out and talk about where the club is at now, why it's at this lowly position it's at now. Why the Carlton rivalry means so much historically, you know? Also, yeah, yeah but I, I want to, you know, I want to hear him talking about why he was one of the people on the board who, part of a unanimous decision to extend the CEO's contract for two years when the CEO's performance is the subject of some debate. How come he's been silent about all that stuff? And now he comes out and brings up the saga and and the, the it just it doesn't make sense to me and it, call me a cynic, but it's like a really desperate bid to get Essendon in the headlines and turn the clock back and generate some rivalry with the with the opposition, and it's not going to work. It, it just I don't think it's going to work where Essendon are at in in the current uh, the current state of affairs. It's too far gone. Sheets, if you're gonna if you're gonna start mouthing off, mate, mouth off about where the club has fallen to and and why you're on the board. I want to hear you talk about why you're on the board. Now, that's a very good point. Why are you on the board and what are you going to do about it? What is your role in turning this great club around? I, I, just, I, I just found it really distracting and very unnecessary uh, from my point of view as a, um, you know, a, a real lover of our history. This is, this is a big week. The club wanted to be a big week. Anyway. All right. Well, well it was news, so uh, we had to news. put it out there. Okay. Uh, six big games going on, round 13. Let's preview on. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Well, like I said, six games across five days. We have Thursday night football is back with us. And the first... Yeah, good, good. And the first of the Thursday night games, or this spate of them, is at the MCG, 7.20pm, and the game is between Richmond and Port Adelaide. What are the odds on this one? Thanks to Palmerbet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Well, the Tigers are warm favourites, paying $1.47 head-to-head. Port Adelaide two dollars seventy. Now here's a first. We don't often um, we don't often go this late in the midweek episode, and we don't often have the teams in this early, so we can actually <laughs> give you the ins and outs for this game. Richmond coming in is a debutant. Judson Clark, a midfielder slash forward. Marlon Pickett and Noah Bolter also back in harness. Out omitted. Jack Ross. Three-time premiership player Jason Castagna has been dropped, as has Morris Rioli and Noah Cumberland, the Medi sub last week. Port Adelaide and Richmond's record against each other. Well, they've split the last 10 clashes 5-5. And uh, Port Adelaide at the MCG, not too bad. They are six, well, better than not too bad. They are six and four at the MCG since 2016. So six wins from 10 games there. 
over the last six years. Uh, big game for both sides. Port, of course, have worked their way back into contention after that shocking start to the season. And uh, Richmond looking to further their claims too to really uh, make the top few sides on the ladder start looking over their shoulders. What do you reckon is going to happen in this one, Rob? A couple of things. It's interesting. Um, the bolt is going to be critical. Lambert's on the emergency uh, bench. Um, so he must have got through that test. Um, yeah, really interesting. Like their strength over the years has been those small forwards. They really have um, written a book on, on small forward pressure. So Castagna, Rioli out. Ross is a handy midfielder. Pickett comes back into his wing position. Uh, Justin Clark, uh, local boy, 180 centimetres and 70 kilos. He's a left footer, Rowan, very classy left footer. So he, he fits the size of the players going out, but uh, uh, they haven't mucked around. Uh, the interesting thing from Port Adelaide, um, and don't forget, this is 10th and 12th. If Port lose this, it, it is good night. Incidentally, uh, very remiss of me not to give the Port Adelaide ins and outs, oh, yeah. but that's mainly because there are none. Uh, basically, uh, no one coming into that side out is Sam Hayes omitted. So, uh, the Ruckman. Pretty... So, I, I want to talk about that. So, you're up against Nankervis, one of the boosts of the competition, a great Ruckman and the captain, and the very, very good supportive backup of Soldo. They're going with Finlayson as first Ruck. I, I'm not. I'm not buying this. Um, They've got to go in with a genuine Ruckman, don't they, against um, Nankervis in particular. Uh, Lysette's out injured. He's a Ruckman. And they've dropped, the other, they've dropped their other Ruckman. They sent Laddams to Sydney. Um, I think, Rowan, it's a wait and see here. It's a real wait and see. I'm not sure how Finlayson, who has been okay, uh, is going to take on. And this is where I think Richmond... Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll get a, a really good dominance physically in the centre bounces. You know what I'm uh, worried about with Port? I mean, look, their form line looks pretty good. They've won five of the last six now, haven't they? And the one loss was to Geelong down at Cadinia Park, which is the toughest venue to win at. So you look at that and you think not too bad, but how good a quality have these wins been? Now, the first few, I'll give you, you know, win over to tell us. Well, win over St Kilda was quality. Yes. Uh, it, that was in the wet and there was a comeback and that was a really good win. Win over the Bulldogs the next week was even well, better. Yeah. Since then, they've smashed up North Melbourne, but everyone smashes up North Melbourne these days. They've lost to Geelong pretty convincingly and they've had a none too convincing 16-point win over the struggling Essendon. So I reckon the last two or three weeks particularly, or the last two weeks, I'm not necessarily convinced by what they've shown us in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Rowan, just with that, oh no, he's in there. There was some doubt or did, Rewalt wasn't an in, was he? He must have, oh, he's been sick. That's it. That's what I read. There was, um, he's been um, in bed crook. So there might have been some doubt on him, but he's been named in the forward pocket in the paper team. Now, Richmond, yeah, Richmond's form, uh, I'm more convinced with their form. Okay, so a loss last start, but that was uh, against Sydney in a pretty high-quality contest. Prior to that, they beat Essendon, they beat Hawthorne, they beat Collingwood, and they beat up on West Coast. So I reckon they're going the better of two. It's at home. 
Um, and uh, I think the ins are pretty handy too, particularly Noah Bolter uh, up against those port marking targets. I reckon um, he's going to well, make a fairly Can I just difference. jump in there, mate? Yeah, yeah, it usually would be, but they're blessed because recently they've got um, Tarrant back. Uh, they're committed to Gibkiss for the year and also Grimes. I don't think they need him. If Ty- okay. Tarrant can do Dixon... Yep. That will really put some serious pressure up the other end of the ground. I know he's been named in the forward pocket, and I, I can see him going on Dixon. I'm not sure where they need him down there. And his combination with Jack Rewald against um, Jonas and Aaliyah is pretty significant. I, th- I think they have to play him forward, Rowan, for this one. All right. Well, uh, okay. keep going there. Give us your tip. Yeah, Richmond, 21 points, please. Okay, that was very succinct. Uh, Richmond, 21 points, says you, says I. Uh, I think Richmond win this one as well. Uh, Look, Port certainly turned things around since that shocking start to the season, but I think Richmond's a better team, and I think their recent form has been a bit better too. Uh, I reckon it could be a fairly low-scoring, scrappy sort of affair, Uh, likely to be cold and wet, which Mm. uh, doesn't suggest we're going to see a a shootout of any sorts. And I don't think those two sides play shootout type football anyway, but I'm going for Richmond uh, by 18 points. All right. That is Thursday night football and uh, a big game on Friday night. Let's talk about that one. Well, a famous rivalry is repeated on Friday evening. And uh, this is a big game. Essendon's 150th birthday celebrations of course and it all revolves all the festivities revolve around this big friday night game and if you can't afford the 495 bucks of the ticket to the dinner on the saturday night you can always hopefully cough up uh what is it 20 odd bucks i don't know what it is to get in anymore i've been a member that long and before people say oh you get a full accreditation i am a member so i do I do pay my membership dues. But anyway, I'm sure if you want to just walk up and get in, you will be able to because uh, I don't think it's a sellout crowd by any stretch. It is a big game nonetheless. Essendon v Carlton, Friday, 7.50pm at the MCG. What do Palmer vets say? Well, first of all, they say that you can always get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to them. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Carlton is a pretty warm favourite in this one, head-to-head. The Blues are paying $1.39. Essendon paying a far more generous $3.03. Carlton's had the better of the meetings between these two in recent times. The Blues have won three of the last four against Essendon. They've all been fairly narrow victories, though. One by 16 points, one by one point, and one by 13 points. Here's a stat which I think is pretty interesting. Essendon's record at the MCG. In short, it's crap. They have lost seven of their last eight games now at the MCG. Carlton, in contrast, has won six of its last eight at the MCG. Of course, last start there, it lost a pretty high standard game to Collingwood by four points. Uh, Some personnel Issues pivotal to both those sides. Rob, uh, you can talk a bit about that. Your boy, Andy McGrath, probably the biggest question mark for the Bombers. Plenty of doubt about him. Uh, Jake Stringer should be back this week. Mac Welfie should be back this week. 
And Carlton, well, their injury list is long indeed. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about Ed Curnow, Matt Kennedy, Kayla Marchback, Oscar McDonald, Mitch McGovern, Harry Mackay, Mark Pittnett, Jacob Wiedering, Zach Williams. Marchbank is a confirmed starter for this week. Kennedy should also come back. Mackay, uh, we're told here, on track to return within the next fortnight. Did see some silly speculation about whether he might actually even be available this week, but that would be That's, a major. Yeah, surprise. they ran that out on the news tonight. He looked and looked terrific, trained well, okay. and uh, I don't know. The media report said putting his hand up, Rowan. So uh, that's going to be a significant uh, decision making. I always um, wonder whether that happens literally. You know, whether the player comes off the track and he says, "Oh, sir, it, sir." Yeah, it does. It not sir. put the hand up. It goes. You go to him and you say, "What do you reckon?" He goes, "I'm right. I'm good." Yeah, but when he Pick says, me. "I'm good," does he have to put his hand up? No, as he says come it? on. Uh, uh, right. Hang on, waitering uh, will miss over a month. Okay, what's going to happen in this one? Um, well, it'll be very important that Draper and Phillips get on top of young De Koning. That's going to be important. Will Carlton bring in uh, their recent uh, centre-half back from the SANFL, Sam Durden? Probably not now that they've got Caleb Marchbank back. What a great story that is, three years. They look like getting Kennedy and Martin back in. So they've got three players back. Uh, Stringer will be back. Langford won't. Guelphie will be, McGrath won't, Cox won't. So Essendon are sort of two in, two out, and not that far away from full strength. You've gone through an extraordinary... It's going to hinge on Mackay, this, and, and probably Kennedy, one of the most improved players in the competition. So the way I see it, you've got three of your full backs out, or your key backs. You've got McDonald, McGovern, and you've got the best centre-half back in the comp, Wietering out, Right. So you're pinch hitting in those positions. Um, they're dynamo running half back in Williams, who sets up play together with Saad. You've got the, one of the most improved ruckmen in, in Pitonay, um, and a bloke that can come in and do a run with job and a tag. Now, if they've got Kennedy in, um, there's absolutely no excuse at all while Essendon, uh, yes, they have to manage Walsh and they have to manage... Um, uh, the skipper. Um, oh, come on, Rowan. Cripps. Cripps, sorry. Yep, a blank. And um, there's a lot out, Rowan, in key areas. Okay. In you know, areas. If, if they if they can handle Kerno, which is a big question mark, yep. where do the Carlton goals come from? All right. Well, here's where they come from. They come from Kerno because Essendon can't handle him. Right. Um, I don't think uh, the defence, lack of personnel and defence isn't necessarily that big an issue because if they can keep Peter Wright in check somehow, uh, there's well, no one Peter else. does Peter Wright keep himself in check? Because his record in rain and uh, rain and average conditions, and it's 90% rain and, and cold, he is a master at um, Marvel. And this is not a pot on him. He's been a very, very good player for Essendon. But the next part of his phase of his game is to be an all-round wet-weather player. And I'll tell you who is a very good wet-weather player, and that is Kurnow. Can I just say, I'm not going to go at you here, but you know what? He hasn't been a very, very good player for Essendon. He's been okay. Oh, but, you know, like no, we, we, why, why we're saying he's been a very, very good player for Essendon is because so many of his teammates have been ordinary. You know, like the bar he's has been, been... Can I say he's been a shining light? He's kicked a couple of sevens. He's looked good. But I think he's looked good at 
Marvel Stadium. You said Essendon, you raised a very good point that raised my eyebrows. Essendon's record seven out of the last eight. I know they've won some big games like the Anzac Day game and Zach Arakis game. Yeah. Mate, I'm not sure. And this Zach is Arakis a game. That was 13 years ago. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, no, I agree with you. <laughs> Look, can I just say? Do you reckon we play well at the MCG? No, I don't reckon Essendon plays and, well And we're anywhere, a finals right? plate. We're a finals plate. I don't reckon this is a great side. I don't reckon it's a great list. It, it, uh, I cannot, I still cannot believe that Mick Malthouse tipped Essendon to win the premiership. This is an ordinary list. I'm going deeper. Marvel Stadium under a roof does not constitute development of a good final side. No, and you might say, point. well, Saints are going okay, you know. But that's a good point. It hasn't done us any good. is not it any good? Um, I, I am uh, at 16th versus 7th. Um, I'm not confident, but with those players out, I'm saying uh, I've looked in the draw and I can't find any excuses. So I'm tipping Essendon by 11 points in this game. All right. No, I, based I, on that. Yep, based on that. Yep. I understand the thinking, and Carlton certainly got a lot of uh, good players out. I think their depth, though, has improved significantly. I think their midfield is significantly better than Essendon's. I think their forward set up is too good for what's a pretty ordinary defence these days. And I don't think Essendon has many targets up forward. And if if it's not Peter Wright, who's going to kick him? Well, Stringer maybe if he's back. But beyond that, can't see it. I just, okay. I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm particularly down on my own team these days, but I just don't reckon it's that great a list. And uh, I reckon Carlton's got a superior list. I reckon they'll win, not necessarily by a heap, but I'm going for Carlton by 12 points. Beautiful. All right. That is Thursday and Friday night. Let's talk about Saturday. Two games on Saturday in round 13. The first of them is at Optus Stadium in Perth, 4.10pm Eastern Standard Time or 2.10pm local time. That is between Fremantle and Hawthorne. The Palmerbet odds you can always get tackle-busting benefits at Palmerbet. Remember to gamble responsibly. Fremantle, not surprisingly, very warm favourites. $1.15 head-to-head on the, the Dockers. The Hawks, $5.50 the Hawks are offering head-to-head. Uh, one thing that will give Hawthorne some hope is their record against Fremantle because it's pretty damn good. They have won 12 of the last 13 clashes. No, sorry, I'll start again. Hawthorne had a spell of 12 wins from 13 against Frio between 2011 to 2019. However, the Dockers have won the last three. What's Hawthorne's record at Optus Stadium in Perth like? Well, it's okay without being great. It is 50%. Three and three. Three wins, three losses. What's happening on the player ability front? Well, uh, the Dockers missing a few. Matt Taberner will be tested uh, with his back spasm injury, but uh, he is expected to return. Uh, Michael Walters, uh, hamstring, he'll be out for a while yet, we think. Um, been sidelined for one game thus far. Nathan O'Driscoll, that one's going to keep him out a fair while. Heath Chapman still a few weeks away. Uh, Jai Amos has been placed on the inactive list with a serious kidney injury. And Michael Frederick, as we spoke about, 
suspended internally, unfortunately, for this game. What about Hawthorne? Well, uh, big relief that Jack Gunston has been cleared of structural damage after re-injuring his ankle against Collingwood last week. Probably isn't going to front up this week, but could be available after the bye. Uh, Max Lynch and uh, Jack Scrimshaw both missed the loss to Collingwood. Could be available to come back for the game against Frio. And young Josh Ward, um, if he passes concussion protocols, he will also be available. I thought it was a pretty decent performance from the Hawks against Collingwood last week. Could have Pinch the points, Rob, with a bit of luck. Uh, Frio, well, um, they turned things around after a couple of losses against Melbourne. And uh, these are the sort of games they need to win if they are to maintain those top four credentials. And, of course, shoring that up further after the Melbourne win with another good win at home against Brisbane. So back, uh, back, what's the word? Back in town, Fremantle, in a form sense, up against Hawthorne. Yeah, they certainly are back in town, back at Optus Stadium against the Hawks. Uh, I'd just like the Hawks, their 13th round. I'd love to see them, like, a little bit higher. Like, hang on, I dropped my pen. Um, I'd like to see them <laughs> a little bit higher, like 11th on the ladder, because I, I think they've deserved that sort of year. Uh, a little bit inconsistent, but, gee... Um, it's going to really rely heavily. They do get those good young players in to give them some run, Ward and Scrimshaw. And I think Max Lynch is back into the side. They've been really uh, hanging out for um, his ruck work. I think he's a TBC um, to be confirmed. And um, they're going to need him up against Darcy, Sarong and Brayshaw. Interesting replacement for Fredericks is um, the young fella from the Waffle making his debut for several years. A uh, young kid called Fife. Fife. Nate Fife will slot onto Fredericks's half-forward flank. He'll go to full forward. He'll float around. He'll go into the midfield. Um, and he'll get back into playing AFL football. They're not going to play him in the waffle for two weeks in a row, Ryan. He's no Michael Frederick, though, young Fife. No, I think it's I think it's a it's a pretty handy inclusion, isn't it? Well, not not, not every week you can wheel out a Brownlow medalist, a dual Brownlow medalist. And what did I say, dual Brownlow medalist? Not a dual Brownlow medalist, is he? Or is he? Shut up, Conway. Get on with it. They're going they're going to have a, a like Hawthorne. We still keep hanging in there with them. They've been inconsistent. Their best is very good, and they are capable of a big time upset on certain stages, but um, this is a very professional side, Fremantle, very well coached, uh, very well organised um, forward and back. I think we saw what they're definitely capable of against Melbourne, the dominance of Brayshaw and Sarong in the midfield, five back into the side. Um, I'm not sure you mentioned it, Rome, so I'm going to ask you, I'll give you a question without no, with notice. I'm going to ask you about the injuries. Um, I, I've got it down here that Tabernat is a test. Can you confirm that, please? Well, he or, yes, I can confirm he's having a test. He is expected to return. Yeah, well, that's a really important see, I can them. I can also confirm that Nat Fife is a dual Brownlow medalist, 2015-2019. <laughs> I think going from the heat to the cold has scrambled my brain temporarily. Sorry, do go on. No, no, that's fine. I, I think they're uh, 
they get some good players back. Uh, they're settled. They're in form. Uh, you mentioned Waters, uh, Michael Waters, with still with the dodgy hamstring. I think their game plan, the way the balanced Hawthorne will try and run and use their pace off their halfback flanks, and that's why they'll be really keen to get young Warden Scrimshaw into that side to assist uh, uh, Jath uh, with their run and their pace. They're going to go well around stoppages with Mitchell and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Newcomb, who's had a terrific year. But I think the overall depth of Fremantle, their they're more consistent uh, spread of goal kickers and, and their balance between attack and defence is very, very Melbourne-like at its best. So he'll continue to develop the side. He's made a strong statement. Um, I had a, a, an alternative point of view. Penalise the kid heavily, fine him, uh, address it. But, um, you know, young Frederick's an important part of this team. So he's going to make a statement for the good of Fremantle and, and good on Longmuir. Just I was offering an alternative. Well, give us your tip and a margin, please. Yeah, I, I think um, as much as I'm trying to pump up Hawthorne, uh, you know, Lewis versus Pierce, that's going to be a terrific duel. Uh, pity Gunston's not there to offer that alternative leading position. Um, I, I'm going for a bit of a uh, two goals. I, I'm going for in the 40s. I'm going for 41. I think Perhaps. they might just put them away big time in one quarter. Fremantle by 41 points. I Correct. am going for Fremantle by 28 points. That is the first of the two Saturday games. Uh, the second one is uh, where I've just come home from. We're at the Gabba Saturday evening. Brisbane taking on St Kilda. 7:25 p.m. is the kickoff. Palmer Bet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Uh, what do they say? Head to head. Well, Brisbane, pretty warm favourite. Dollar thirty-nine. The Lions paying head to head. St Kilda, you can get three dollars oh three. Not a bad price given how well they've been going this season. The Saints. Also, given how good their record is against Brisbane, because St Kilda have won five of their last seven clashes with the Lions. The other encouraging thing for them is their record at the Gabba, where they are eight and four since 2010. And if you're thinking, well, how can they have played 12 games at the Gabba in, well, 12 seasons? Well, the... Uh, 2020, of course, saw plenty of games played at the Gabba, including their last visit there, which was a final, no less, that memorable elimination final win over the Western Bulldogs in 2020. Now, here are two sides that actually don't have too many injury problems at the moment. Brisbane, very short injury list, just three names on it. They are Joe Danaher, who has a test on his shoulder, but expected to be available to make his return. Darcy Gardner has a rib injury. That one's uh, about a 50-50 bet at this stage. Kai Lohman, the other one, ankle injury. That one uh, not expected to get up and uh, on the periphery, the 22. Anyway, St Kilda, they have a relatively clean bill of health coming out of the mid-season by the most notable absentee there, of course, uh, Jack Steele, who still about three weeks away after his shoulder injury. Uh, Jack Higgins has come out of concussion protocols. 
and after he was also in health and safety protocols and he will be available for the trip to Queensland. Uh, Hunter Clark also coming out of health and safety protocols and looking to play his first senior game of this season. So things looking better on the injury front for the Saints. They're looking pretty good for the Lions as well. Uh, really intriguing contest this one. Rob, how do you see this one? Well, what I'm waiting for, I hope Joe Danaher plays because uh, one of the uh, stories has been that young Wilkie at fullback. His combination with Josh Battle, Sinclair, Dougal Howard sets up a mouth-watering contest, particularly if Joe Danaher comes back to team up with McStay and Hipwood, which is um, the preferred uh, targets. Then you've got Cameron, Rayner, uh, McCarthy at ground level. So a great back line versus a great forward line is the highlight for me. Comes down to the midfield. They were stung last week. Lockie Neal was stung. Um, came out and said it in the press conference how they, how their contest was poor. So they're going to be primed for this. Gee, um, I'd love to give the Saints a real, you know, with their ruck rock combination of Ryder and Marshall is going to really take it to Mac and Ernie. Um, it's a cracking game. Uh, like for the independence, I wish it was at a neutral venue, but up there, a bit of rain about, uh, there's still no Jack Steele against this Lions, Neil, Zorko, Berry. And then of course you got that uh, young Zach Bailey there. Uh, St Kilda are going to, give a hell of a lot of this. Their back line is sensational. They're playing with enterprise. Uh, Bradley Hills found his um, his mojo again. And with 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 Marshall, Ryder, Membry and King up there, they also match up really well against a pretty solid uh, Brisbane back line. This is such a wonderful matchup, Ron. Well, it is. Let me throw this one at you and see how you think about this because two more intriguing elements to throw into the mix. One is that Brisbane uh, hasn't had its break yet and is coming back from Perth. And for whatever reason, you know, coming back from a road trip to Perth is never necessarily easy. St Kilda, in contrast, are coming off a bye. Now, their form been pretty good prior to the bye, of course. They'd won uh, their last three uh, prior to that bye. But I always worry about teams coming off a buy, you know, what has it interrupted their momentum? Conversely, I also worry about teams coming back from Perth. Which team is at more of a disadvantage with those two factors? I would say the I'm with you on the buy. I think momentum, form, confidence. Uh, they do get a chance to freshen up. That's good. So they're going to take a very fit and very fresh side. Uh, gut feeling tells me I'd prefer to be uh, d- doing it the hard way. And don't forget that mentally, the Lions are coming off a loss. They've been stung. I would think that uh, if I was a betting man, I would say that the Lions will lead at quarter time based on um, St Kilda maybe needing. So to answer your question, um, I'm sticking with the Lions to have a couple of goal lead based on the fact that they're ready to go. I think they'll start better. That's just, it's not a guess. It's just a gut feeling about the circumstances you just presented. Okay. Well, more important question. Who will be leading at the conclusion of the fourth quarter? 
Uh, Rich, uh, the Lions will be, um, but in a Dow struggle by 15 points. 15 points. A Dow struggle. I don't know if it's yeah. going to be a Dow struggle. I reckon this might be quite open and entertaining, or maybe that's just wishful thinking. No, won't, won't they be too scared of each other? Uh, not scared. Yeah, that's not the word. Um, very mindful and respect. I got the word. Very mindful and respectful of each other, Ryan. Uh, they possible. won't be wanting. They won't be wanting to uh, give too much space to each other, knowing the damage they can cause. I think that's a fair point, uh, and probably a good moment, which I should say. I hope whichever team wins the premiership this year is a team that plays attacking, daring, and uh, dare I say it, higher scoring football. Um, that sounds a bit like Brisbane to me. They are a very free-scoring team generally. Uh, I tend to agree with you. I think uh, momentum is all, and they have it. And the Saints, as well as they've been playing, have had a week off. Just not quite sure what that's going to do. And Brisbane will be keen to atone for that loss in Perth last week, narrow though it was. Uh, I'm going for Brisbane to win by six points. Sorry, what was your margin again? Brisbane 15. By 15. 15 points. So we are both going for the Lions. Okay, that's Saturday's uh, card done and dusted. Let's talk about Sunday. Sunday sees just one game of AFL football played. It is at Marvel Stadium. It is 3.20pm. It is between North Melbourne and GWS. Now, we're not going to make any nasty jokes, but it is fair to say not exactly a showpiece on the AFL calendar. Palmerbet, of course, they're betting on this game and uh, you can always get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Well, North Melbourne, as you'd uh, expect, the outsider, but, uh, well, a lot shorter than there have been in other games this year. North Melbourne, $5.30. Head-to-head, you can get on the ruse. GWS favourite paying $1.16. Now, last time these two met, Rob, it was a draw. It was round 13 down at Blundstone Arena in Hobart, and it was a draw. Scores locked up. Uh, GWS's record at Marvel Stadium, uh, a bit worse than 50-50. They've won 10. They've lost 14 and they have drawn one. Their last appearance there was against Carlton in the final home and away game of last season, a game they won by 14 points. Uh, what's going on with player availability? Well, yes, yeah. these sides both knocked around by injury. Uh, North Melbourne, they are currently without uh, Aidan Bonar, Callum Coleman-Jones, uh, Ben Cunnington, of course, that one indefinite. Aaron Hall. One. Uh, one, uh, nothing one. against these other boys, but I'm saying first 18 players that are unavailable that are important. Yeah, one to two weeks, Aaron Hall. Uh, right. Ben Mackay uh, concussed again. He will miss. He's, he's out. He's got a few now. Back. Yeah, well, he's going to miss at least one. Could be more. Uh, uh, Cam Zerha, foot injury. He's out for another okay. couple of weeks. Uh, Jared Pollock, Will Phillips, the others. G, uh, GWS also missing plenty. Good news there, though. Lockie Whitfield uh, is expected to be available for this game. Phil Davis. Callum Ward, Rowan, is he available? Getting to that. Callum oh, Ward. Oh, sorry. 
Sorry, D. Yeah, W comes after D. Sorry. But Kelly. I thought you started with W for Whitfield. <laughs> I thought you'd go straight to W for Ward. No, that's all right. You're just chipping wherever you want. Callum Ward uh, can, coming out of concussion protocols. He's in. Um, he's going to be back. Uh, who else? Uh, Jacob Hopper still two to three weeks away. Uh, Daniel Lloyd, arm injury, still a bit away. Tim Duranto, back injury. Still a couple of weeks away. Brent Daniels' hamstring, about four weeks away. God. Did GWS ever have a season where they don't have half their list injured? Um, anyway, fair to say both these teams, without a lot of key players who, given the current position of both, neither can afford to be without. Who is least injured? And uh, more importantly, who is the least worst of these two sides? No, well, I think the Giants have uh, underachieved this year. I still think they've got plenty of quality on the, on the deck. Uh, they've got a, a forward line that's capable. Now that um, we'll get the Larky-Taylor matchup, he hasn't got Zerha there to assist him and trying to maximise their inside 50s, which has been a problem. But I must admit, they, um, so I think Whitfield back in, Ward... It gives you Kelly, Caniglio, Toby Green. It gives you um, the other, Tom Green is a very good player. And, and of course, Whitfield back into that side. They're going to have too much class. They're too strong. If Hogan has a good game up at full forward, they'll have a good win here. And um, I can't see I can't see Norse game plan matching them at all. There's an astonishing stat that um, uh, indictment's a bit of a strong word. The thing that's confuses about North, what are you? Um, what what game plan are you developing? For one minute seems to be one-on-one, -on -one, then it changes to attacking. They looked good last week in the dry, but in I've got a stat for you. In the last 10 weeks, they have conceded. There are minus 260 in inside 50s. They concede more at 26 inside 50s per game more than the opposition. So if the opposition's having 60, what's that, Rowan? That's um, minus 24, uh, 30, 30, uh, 34. 34 they're averaging if the opposition gets 60. What is, they just can't defend. And, and, and Well, that was borne out in the second quarter last week, wasn't it? Seven, exactly. seven to nothing. And Minus 260 inside 50s in 10 weeks. So well, that's they, the start they're giving the opposition. Well, they conceded 29 inside 50s in the second in quarter. quarter. And 80. 80. 81, I think, for the game. I think that's the world record, isn't it? The world record, yeah. And as they say in the classics, since stats were taken... Yeah, which, well, stats have been taken a long time, but they we always seem to talk about post-1999 now, which is when it's sort of ramped up to another level. Uh, either way, it's a lot of inside 50s. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, <laughs> I mean, North Melbourne, they actually started all right last week, didn't they, against the Suns? It was 4-3 to 1-4 at quarter time, and yet they still lost by 62 points. The well, margins, the margins are so emphatic. I mean, the last eight games. Here's Don't a read them out. Note. You've read them out every week. Well, I'm doing it again. Give them a break. 68, 60, oh. 50, 78, 69, 47, 53, 62. So that would suggest there's every chance that they're going to be losing this game by somewhere around the 50 to 60 point range. Haven't done one thing. If he'd done. 
the coach and the coaching panel, they haven't developed the capacity to defend the ground. If they'd done that, you can cut those margins in half and they might have even pinched the odd win. So he wanted to attack. Um, he wanted to kick goals. He wanted to excite, but he hasn't got the cattle to do it. But what you can do is have the cattle to, to have a strong defensive game and make it really difficult for opposition to score. I'm not sure this is in the development phase that they're going through to be spanked by an average of 12 goals every game, Ryan. If you could get the margin down to four to six, you give yourself a bit of a chance. All right. Well, I'm okay. going to I'm going to give them a chance to haul in the margin of defeat a little. I'm going for GWS to win this one by 40 points. Yeah, I'm with you. 47. 47 for Shorey. Okay, that is the Sunday game, which leaves just one game. And in terms of occasion, uh, no game in round 13 is as big as this one. <laughs> Queen's birthday tradition calls. It is Collingwood, Melbourne. It is the big freeze, of course, and uh, wonderful fundraiser. This is uh, launched, of course, by the great Neil Danaher, great um, servant of, uh, well, several football clubs, not just uh, Essendon or Melbourne, Robert Fremantle, of course. He was an assistant coach there. But the work he's done post-football, arguably even a lot more important as he has championed uh, research into and treatment of motor neurone disease. And uh, what a wonderful legacy uh, to be remembered for. And fortunately, this great man, still very much alive and well and with us. And uh, another big freeze looms. Collingwood, Melbourne is the occasion. 3.20 p.m. MCG, the kickoff. Palmerbet, you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And uh, what do they say about this one? Well, uh, I'm just going to do some furious padding here, Rob, because for some inexplicable reason i forgot to write down the odds for this game so uh a oh, big big i've got them down here for you um, have, well i've yes, got i have Palmer Bet, up. Go. Uh, the melbourne football club are a stunning one dollar and 45 against the informed pies you can get 279 and my advice to you is hurry down to your palmer bed outlet or go online because they are giving you money. Well, that that is good, but uh, I think I can update those odds. All right, oh, have I've you got had, it? Yeah, I have. The most recent odds on this game have Melbourne paying a dollar forty-four, right? For the head-to-head -head result and Collingwood paying two dollars eighty-one. What else can we tell you about this? We can tell you that Collingwood has won five of the last six clashes with Melbourne. Including, really? yes, including last year at the SCG, remember, which was Nathan Buckley's final game as Collingwood coach. And of course, the Pies flying after a couple of uh, big wins, of course, that win over Carlton uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, a similarly tight affair against Hawthorne which they also managed to prevail in their exciting young team under Craig McRae. And they've now won five of their last seven games. 
So going pretty well. Melbourne, well, they were going pretty well uh, and 17 wins in a row, including a grand final, of course, isn't to be sneezed at, but uh, come back to the field a bit in the last couple of weeks. have lost their last two games, of course, to Fremantle and then last week to Sydney. Both those reversals at the MCG. This one's at the MCG too. Should be a cracking game. What are your early thoughts on this one? Uh, my early thoughts are um, I'm, I'm all over the pies, all over them. And people say, oh, the odds of Melbourne losing three in a row, they're, in, they're the invincibles. These sort of things happen, Ryan. You know, teams get in ruts and lose. They've, they've had the issue off field. And, um, and as I said last week, they lose one of Max Gorn or Stephen May, they come back to the pack. Right now, Max Gorn's been magnificent, but he's had to go up forward and kick goals. They're not getting any goals out of Ben Brown. McDonald's gone for the rest of the season, so it's become the Bailey Fritch and Max Gorn show. Now, one of the strongest points about the Collingwood side is their backline. Quainer Murphy's been terrific since he's come back. Noble, Howe, Moore, and Maynard—that's a good backline. And one for one, they can hold the side. So let's have a look in the midfield. Are they going to tag Oliver? Um, because I think the likes of Adams, uh, Pendleby, Cripps, Dacos on a wing, uh, side bottom, these sort of blokes, uh, who else have they got running through the midfield? Uh, oh, young Nick Dacos, of course. I, I think they can break even. If they break even and give a forward line, listen to this, I give a forward line, you're happy with Henry, aren't you? You're happy with my check? Degoe goes forward. Uh, Ginevan's lively. And I forgot also another midfielder. Um, uh, what is he? Captain Lipinski or Lieutenant? What do you call him? Private. Private, private Lipinski. Private. What show's that out of? What well, it could be, could be MASH. It could be any number of Vietnam oh, okay. War. Yeah, it just sounds like your quintessential American now, I'm not, GI. I'm, I'm finding reasons here yeah. to follow my hunch yeah. and my gut feeling, which is... Uh, Melbourne could be holding for three in a row. Do I it, think, Rob. Come on, no, have I'm the courage of arti- I've articulated what can happen. Exciting, youth, quick, in form, confident, had two close wins, which are really good for a side. And if that comes to fruition and the May, omission, the May uh, injury suspension is as significant as we think it is, there's every reason to believe that Collingwood can produce a ripper on this day and um, put put Melbourne away for their third loss. All right, very well argued. What, I'm what, going what to, do you reckon? Well, I'm going to go the contrary view here, which is uh, you don't win 17 games in a row, including a premiership, unless you are a seriously good side. You don't lose the capacity to win that well and as efficiently as you have just with a couple of losses. Uh, Now, even in the losses, they played some pretty decent footy in the loss to Fremantle, ended up losing by a bit, but that was on the basis of pretty much one quarter. And Sydney, well, that game was neck and neck. They could have easily won that game. Stephen May, yeah, it's a significant out. I would argue it's less of a significant out against Collingwood. The reason being, Oliver Henry, yeah, he's been good, but he's still young, he's still raw. Is he going to kick another bag of goals? The odds would suggest not. Brady what might. What's he kicked in the last three weeks? Two, well, three, and four. Which is exactly why he won't do it a fourth week, Rob. 
Okay. When right. you state my case, you can you can have your go in a minute. <laughs> Folks, Great. we're not setting this up, actually. We actually believe what we're saying. Yeah, we, we do. We don't do this deliberately. I know. It would make it unusual, wouldn't it? Two yeah. people actually believing what they're saying. Uh, Brady, Brady Majek, I think he's also a bit erratic. Right. Look, I know, look, they're going okay in terms of points scored. They're about mid-table. But I've got to say, the Collingwood forward setup, it doesn't sort of strike terror into my heart um, just because Stephen May isn't there. I think Melbourne's defence is solid enough even without Stephen May. And I think uh, its mid-sized, smaller defenders are good enough to cope with the likes of Ginevan, Degoe, et cetera, et cetera. Look, they're a bloody good side, Melbourne. You know they weren't the, too good to cope with. Uh, Papley won out at the top of fifty. No, that okay. didn't work too well. All right, all right. Stop shooting me down. I just <laughs> <laughs> they they have formed their credentials over a, a reasonable period of time now, and right. I don't I don't think uh, put it this way. I, I'm a big picture man, and yes, they've lost the last two games, but I don't see that they've suddenly become that much a lesser side on the basis of losing their last two games. And the fact is, if they lose a third game in a row, well, their ladder position will be in real strife. In fact, uh, they probably won't lose top spot, but they'll be uh, only sharing top spot in terms of points with potentially two other teams if they lose. So uh, it's pretty important that they win this one. I think they're good enough to win it. I think they will win it. I'm going for Melbourne, but to show you how little confidence I have in that tip, I'm going for Melbourne by two points. Yeah, well, they're going to get beaten by four goals. Ooh, okay. A goal a quarter. So yep. uh, I've got to go for the even, uh, the odds. So Collingwood by 23 points 23 in a, points. a blockbuster boil over. A blockbuster boil over. Okay, this almost sounds like a headline. Okay, uh, there 80, you have it. Oh, no, it's Melbourne, isn't it? What's the crowd, Rowan? Oh, gee, 70. 70, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, might depend on the weather. Hopefully, it's a bit less Arctic than it is. I wonder what Essendon Carton will get oh, on, a, on an Arctic Friday. I reckon 60-something. Yeah. It won't be 80, will it? It won't be. Oh, no, no, no. No, no I'll tell you, it's a good test of Essendon's capacity to draw a crowd right now. And I think uh, a lot of people at that club will be watching the turnstiles very anxiously indeed. Um, okay. All right, so uh, just for the record there, we are tipping differently in two of the six games. So uh, there you go. We'll uh, bring you... And what are they? Collingwood, Melbourne and... Uh, Essendon, Carlton. Oh, that's right. Okay, good. The others, we are going the same. That is our previews of round 13 done and dusted. Thanks to your company. Thanks... Again, to our wonderful sponsors, Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, you can support us financially at the supporter page, thanks to ACAST, wherever you listen to your copy of the Footyology podcast. And you can become an official Footyology patron via the links on the Footyology website to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent media and uh, writing. Uh, they're a really good organisation, Patreon, and uh, they support us wonderfully well. So thanks to them. And uh, for $7 Australian per month, you can become an official Footyology patron. Thanks to your company. Uh, just importantly, too, letting you know, we will be doing our Round 13 review 
on Sunday night. So we will be going before the Melbourne Collingwood game is played. However, we will wrap that up in the midweek show next week. Why are we doing that? Well, because that's what we do. We are a Sunday night podcast. So that's what we're doing. And I'm explaining it to you so you know why. But we'll cover it in the Wednesday morning one. That's exactly what I just said, and thanks for repeating it. That's exactly <laughs> what we're going to do. Um, thanks to your company, everyone. Uh, so, yeah. hope, hope your team gets a good win up this weekend. Uh, we'll catch you later. 